Welcome back to another episode of She's Taking Over. Thank you so much for tuning in and for all of your feedback. It means the world to me to hear that you guys are listening and loving these episodes. And this one is something that sort of just came to me today and really this week, but also fueled by a question. Well, I asked you guys, what do you want to hear on the podcast? And Somebody wrote and asked, finding your why, you know, how do you know what you're doing or how do you know why you're doing what you're doing essentially Um, or what you want to be doing? And I feel like that's quite a broad topic, but it actually really ties in well to what I wanted to talk about, which is intention over perfection. So intention over perfection is the focus because I feel that that is one of the key things that slows a lot of business owners down. When you run a business or when you have an idea that you want to get off the ground, the thing that will slow you down is being a perfectionist and having that mindset that you really need to have the end solution, the perfect product before you can launch. And that mentality will cost you a lot of learnings and lessons that are so valuable that they can't teach you in business school because you cannot pay for experience. So with that being said, intention over perfection, intention being why you're doing what you're doing. And the key message here is people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So you want to sell the result. And you want that result to be really, really true to your heart. And of course, how do you get that out there if you don't really know where to start or what you're doing? And the answer is just start. So when you have a business idea or a goal, when you have an existing business or whether or not you want to start one, you may have an end goal in mind, which is really going to drive the direction of your decision-making. And that goal, service, or destination or product essentially that you want to be selling can stop you from validating that exact idea through providing a version of that service manually. And so let me break that down for anybody um, who's kind of like, what does that mean? If you have a vision or a goal to have an app, if you want to create a online experience and help thousands of people around the world transform, you've got to validate your service or your product by establishing product market fit, which is obviously does it sell, but are there people who want it and does it deliver on its problem? Uh, Does it deliver on its promise and does it solve a problem? But then secondly, of course, looking at how you can continue to refine your service experience based on the data. So often when you have an idea or you want to make changes to your business, they're usually fueled by you. And the more time that you've been in a managerial position or in a leadership role, it's likely that you may have lost touch with your market and, or of course, your your customer. So it's really important to understand exactly what that person, your ideal client, your ideal audience is really wanting and needing, have an understanding of what the problem is so that you can deliver the solution. And when you do deliver that solution, You want to be able to monitor and measure how effective that solution is. How do people feel when they move through your service from start to finish? And what can you do to refine the experience and to continue to change the experience so that 
your product sells itself. A product that sells product, a product that sells itself is going to alleviate you from a lot of that pressure, the effort, the stress, the marketing, the content creating, and all the things that you're doing to try and grow your business. So when trying to sell a result, the most important thing, or when when trying to come up with your big idea, really what we need to remember is we're trying to sell a result. And the way that you can do that might change, right? So you may have an, a, a goal to create an app, but perhaps you can manually validate that service or that that result by creating a service that delivers that same result. And it may mean that you're doing that through web-based solutions, spreadsheets, or a more one-on-one in, interpersonal relationship to then learn from the experience to see what can we do here to refine, to make it better, to prevent these things from happening, whether or not it's customers falling off or um, any areas of friction in your service as well. And this intention over perfection really, really rung true with me today because it made me realize that there's a lot of people out there who say, I've just got to do the work first and then I'm ready to go. I've just got to get it ready and then I'll be ready to go. And you're never going to get all green lights in business and business growth is not linear. The time that you spent creating or spend creating your ideal service, let's say it's six months, just creating all this content or creating an experience, building out touch points and planning is actually valuable time that you could be making sales, building your database, building your client base, getting results, putting user-generated content out there to prove that you can do what you say you can do to build trust, to build an audience and to build your business. So that time spent working on the business can cost you when you're not actually validating that time. So my suggestion is, or my advice here would be to launch it, just do it, (laughs) get out of your way and get it done, get it out there. The whole thing doesn't have to exist yet. You might want to create your own course. You might want to create a new experience. You might want to create a program. Maybe you want to create active escapes around the world and take people to fabulous exotic locations. How can you do that now? And the shortest way to validate that offer is to do something like it, but obviously scale it right back. So for example, if you wanted to have active, active escapes all around the world, my suggestion would be start in a location near you. Do you have people who are interested in this? Who are you selling it to? You could go and plan the most amazing getaway in Tahiti, but if you don't have an audience to sell it to, you have one of the hardest jobs to do in the world, which is to find people for your product, build trust and sell it. And now obviously something like that is quite timely. But let's say you're an online coach and you want to have an online coaching community of 100,000 people. Great goal to have, but first you have to have a community of 10 people. You have to start somewhere. And I think this is where people get really stuck because what happens is they don't have the validation that they need to actually launch it. And they think that that validation will come when it's perfect so they can launch it. And this is a chicken or the egg problem. 10 people who sing your praises, get epic results and love what you do is far more validating than 10,000 followers. 
you need to prove to yourself and to prove to others that you can do what you say you're going to do and then use that to grow. And this is like, I read this book called The Gap and the Gain and I can't recommend it enough. It's in our learners list if you want it. It's available on our website or hit me up for it. But The Gap and the Gain talks about setting goals based on a gap or gain mentality. And too often what people do they set idealistic goals. Like I want to buy a house. I want to make a million dollars. I want to buy a new car. And what they're not really doing is looking at how far they've come. So, or where, where they can progress from. So maybe they're saying that they're frustrated because they're not reaching their goals and their goals are to have a client community of a hundred thousand people. However, the and that would be the gap mentality, but the gain mentality would say we've serviced 50 clients this year and got epic results. So when setting goals, you want to make sure that you are using that framework to say, am I basing this off how far I've come and towards where I want to go? So it's not just based on one or the other, because I find that when you are in that gain mentality, that gap mentality, sorry, when you are in that gap mentality and you are thinking, that you are so far off what you want to be doing, your energy just dies inside of you. You know, you need that creative energy. You need that spark. You need that confidence to believe in yourself, to put things out there. And failure in business, if that's what you want to call it, I'll call it lessons, is the greatest teacher. So you miss out on the opportunity to accumulate these lessons so that when you do launch something new or create something new, you're actually basing it off data that tells you what to do instead of just thinking that it's an epic idea based off your experience in the business lately. So getting out of your own way and focusing on making progress is hugely important for your business growth, especially right now, the current economy that we're in this time of year that we're in, especially if you're in Australia. But you need to be progressing towards your goals no matter what that looks like. So you can reverse engineer your ideal goal and see how can I break this down into more actionable steps? How can I do a, how can I achieve the same results in a different way? So for example, your ideal results for your clients could be to help them lose weight, to help them get healthy. Obviously, you can start servicing these people manually. You might use spreadsheets. You might white label an app. You might build your own custom portal. You are along the way seeing clients in the gym. Maybe you elevate to group coaching sessions. Maybe you start having monthly client meetups to build community. Then you start doing virtual client meetups. And then all of a sudden, you now have a more growing and avid community, a bigger client base, but you have to elevate and grow with the business. And this isn't always easy to do when you're constantly setting goals that are so big that they actually scare you into taking no action. Goal setting is something that is only useful when you follow it up with execution. Setting goals so big that they make you feel like shit or that you don't actually know how to achieve them can actually slow you down. And that is where the intention comes into it. So if you have an intention to get this result, if you have an intention to make this impact with your clients, how can you start to validate that intention immediately? And that intention comes from a place within you. Why do you want to do this? What does it mean to you? 
how can you convey that energy, that experience, that part of the process to your client throughout their client experience? And often I think people get caught up in the whole, well, how do I do that? There's what we do and how we do it. And more or less, they're kind of the same. Unless you're creating something totally new, it's kind of the same. And I genuinely believe, I'm not the only one, that this comes down to why you do what you do. You have to have a passion for why you do what you do because that passion needs to be passed on to your client. Your client needs to feel that you genuinely care. They need to feel connected to you. If you don't care about your clients and their success, it's going to seem like you just care about money, like getting a job done, getting over, getting it over and done with. And that is not how you build a lasting client relationship that is cohesive or conducive with a product that sells product. So coming back to all of that, finding your why, finding your intention, what is it? It's such an interesting one because when I talk to people before they come on board at Big Appetite, I always ask them, what's your goal? And they usually say things like double my weekly revenue, hit 100K, hit 500K, buy a house, travel. And we all know how this story goes, really. I'm like, okay, but why do you want that? What does that mean to you? And when you drill down to it, there's another reason why people start businesses. And that reason why is because businesses are a vessel to your ideal life. They get you from here to there. This life that you live in now, whether or not you've just quit your job or you're still working for somebody or you've just started your business and you're grinding really hard, your business is a vessel to get you from how you're living now to how you want to live. And the reason that you want that is usually so much more powerful than just doubling your money, right? If you could double your money right now, but you had to go pack shelves in a grocery store, or if you could double your money right now, but you'd have to go clean the streets, would you still want to do it? Probably not. So if you want to create that that vessel that's going to get you there, you have to have the purest of intentions for your end user, which is why you do what you do. The greatest businesses of our time know who they're for. They know what the problem is or they've identified a problem with the target market and they solve it. And although their goals may have been to build tech, build a billion-dollar business and flip it, sell it, and cash out and go live large, they still genuinely cared at one point about the target audience that they were selling to and solved their problem. And that is where intention is so powerful. And I'm so careful with crossing into this space because it's not at all what we do at Big Appetite. It's not how we work. But it's important to know why you're doing what you're doing so that your messaging can be so true, can have heart, that relates to your ideal client. And so when you're trying to figure out exactly what that is, there's so many ways, I guess, to go about it. I guess the first one is to go on a journey of self-discovery. There you go. Step one, finding your why. Go on a journey of (laughs) self-discovery. But how? Oh, okay. Let's go there. Let's go there. Finding your why. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you how I found mine. 
I got hurt. I got hurt. Life humbles you. Life teaches you. It hurt um, the things that I have been through in my life, which I'm sure you know if you're listening to this to a degree. But regardless, my point is it what usually it's a reaction, right? I think people find out what they want to do reactively. Again, this is my opinion. But I believe unless something pushes you off path, that whole saying that apple doesn't fall far from the tree is true. We have societal conditioning programmed into us. We are programmed based on our upbringing. And how different could we be if I was another soul born into my life, but they still went through exactly what I went through, how different could we be? And that is a whole other conversation there in terms of neuroplasticity, neurolinguistic programming, and the way that the brain is formed. Great rabbit hole. I encourage you to get down it. I did go down that rabbit hole um, at one stage of my life. But my point is it's not until something happens that usually pushes you off path that you then have to react to. And there's another saying, um, you know, always assume fault or everything that happens to us is our fault, essentially. Um, we are responsible for everything that we choose to do. And I know that's not always the case, obviously, in terms of tragedy and sickness, but you can always choose how you respond. There's a Netflix documentary. Actually, it's not on Netflix anymore. It's on Prime. It's called Heal. It's in our learners list as well. And I love this documentary because it showcases people who get diagnosed with serious illnesses and the way that they respond to it can significantly change the quality of their life. But in most cases, when you don't know your why, I believe that you're probably living the life that was built for you, that you were born into. Again, apple not falling far from the tree. You go to school, your friends are all around the area, their parents, your parents, more or less are only going to vary marginally in terms of their beliefs, their socioeconomic status, their their values and their culture potentially to a degree, right? There's only going to be such varying degrees here of difference. And then you go to school, you go to uni, you grow up and you kind of do, or you don't go to uni, whatever, um, and you kind of do exactly what people around you are doing. So it's no wonder that one day you kind of wake up at your desk <laughs> And you just think, how did I get here? Why am I here again? And did I choose this or am I living a life that was chosen for me by somebody else? And that is where finding your why can be hugely important. And in business, it can look a little bit similar, to be honest. In business, it's kind of like you, let's say you're a trainer, you had a transformation, you lost a bit of weight, you lost a lot of weight. You started inspiring your friends and family. You inspired yourself. You loved your coach. You got qualified. You get qualified and you end up coaching people who want to look just like you. So now you get a whole bunch of little me too's, which you love because that's extremely validating to you because they're telling you they want to be like you. But then you grow. And as you grow, you want to elevate. And then all of a sudden you start saying things like, I want to change my target audience. I keep working with these kinds of girls, but I really want to get into this kind of client but you can't because you get what you give and you're getting what you're putting out there, which is all that you've ever known, which is who you are based on who, what you've been through. So the same thing can sort of happen where you end up in a business and the business isn't actually fulfilling you 
because it is no longer a representation of where you want to go. And then you're in these golden handcuffs where you're facilitating these clients, you're servicing these clients to maintain the life that you have and you're frustrated because you're not growing. And you want to change it. You want to work on your business, but you can't afford to claw back time and you can't afford to say no to the mini-me's of you that keep inquiring to work with you. So you take them on. So you get busier and then you get more inspired. You keep growing because now you're doing your thing. You've had a taste. You're starting to hang out with different people. They're also in business. They're also elevating. And now you're thinking bigger and now you want to get there, but you can't because you're trading time for money and you're literally stuck working on your business. So how do you get out of those golden handcuffs? What do you do? And this comes back to what I was saying before, the intention over perfection. You have an intention to change your business. You want to secure a new kind of client. You want to elevate or just change, diversify into a different target audience, but you can't because you think that you have to create this entire business, this entire credibility service history that you have with this clientele with a whole new group of people, build that trust all over again, start all over again to now appeal to postpartum mums or postnatal mums. That's not the case. That's why I was saying you just have to start small and start validating your offer. Maybe you start promoting through your messaging that this is what you're doing. You start promoting in your messaging and sharing the journey of your shift. And you only pick up one or two of these clients, but you can service them manually to start to validate your idea, your offer, and to learn and to test before you start having to go and create a whole new thing. So like, let's say you're not there yet though. You have a job and you're kind of like back to where I was at the desk saying that you don't like what you do and you don't know how to figure out what your why is. So usually, like I was saying, it comes from something reactive. Something happens that'll push you on a journey to change. And that could be a breakup. It could be a death in the family or a death. It could be um, whatever it is that's, that, that, that kind of shocks you. It would be essentially something traumatic that I would say. Um, for most people, or maybe you just get to a point in your life where you're actually been, you've been doing the same thing for long enough and you're starting to look at other people who you went to school with, people who you know, and you're looking at them through rose-colored glasses, through the highlight reel that is social media and thinking, wow, like they're really doing X, Y, Z and why am I not doing that? So something happens that usually makes you go, what is it that I really want? And then you go looking for answers. So the first thing that happens to finding your why is you have to ask yourself, What is it? Why am I really here? What is the meaning of this? And on the back end of that, the reaction that I had a couple of times in my life really was I started asking questions. You have to ask. If you don't ask, how will you ever know? My mom always used to say, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And I started to get help. I was Before I did this, though, I did go to Europe for three months. I spent some time in Bali. Like I'm really good at avoiding avoiding whatever it is that's coming up for me. So if I wanted to know why am I really here, I'd be like, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. And then off I would go. But that gets tiresome and eventually you realize you keep doing the same thing and don't get a different result. So from there I started asking. I started asking questions and learning and listening There's so many great resources around finding what your purpose is. And I love the Japanese philosophy of Ikigai. I know for sure that my purpose is freedom. 
And I am on this earth to set people free. I was actually born on Freedom Day in South Africa. And there's just so many little things to me that just make me so happy around freedom. And I believe the harder you work, the more free you are. Free freedom for freedom of choice, free to create, free to choose, free to experience. And I want that for other people. That's why I do what I do because I want to help people achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve so that they are set free from the the mundane life that was instilled upon them before the day they were even born, basically. But working out to a specific word or a phrase why you are here or what your purpose is in life can be quite challenging. And the first thing that I really did, I actually have a guide on this somewhere, somewhere in the internet. (laughs) Ask yourself the seven whys. I think somebody first did five, but I like seven for good measure. What do you want? What is your ideal goal, right? And mine initially was, gosh, I can't even remember what it initially was, but I I wanted stability. I just wanted stability in my life, personally, immigrant family, no family in this country, rocky, rocky uh, household growing up, rocky family home which then ended in a messy, messy split. Um, that went on for a while. So my my teenage years were pretty turbulent. And then my mom passed away. Then my auntie passed away and we went into lockdown. I just quit my job, started my first business, and it was chaos. So coming back from that essentially is – I wanted stability. I knew that that was what I wanted to achieve. And I was like, why do I want that? And I knew that stability would mean that I'd have a home and I could feel safe. And I knew that blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, why do I want that? And why do I want that? And why do I want that? And it it might sound a bit simple and a bit mundane, but I really do encourage you to sit somewhere that you can see the trees or the ocean and breathe fresh air with your own thoughts. Maybe you want to do a meditation if that's your thing. I actually have a meditation playlist on Spotify, which is linked in my bio. Um, but there's so many, there's so many guided meditations that you can do, visualization meditations. I like to sort of just imagine my ideal day and then think about what I would be doing and how I would feel and what it means to me to feel fulfilled or rewarded. And I went through this journey. I was guided by Nikki Kassar. I did the Conscious Woman program. I can't recommend it enough. And that is really her area of expertise. And that is what I'm telling telling you. But I'm telling you my version of it. Um, and when I first started, when I started my first company, I started doing really well. Like I was audited by the ATO twice, I think. Twice, actually. Yeah. And I wasn't happy. And I was happy before I started. Like I was happy, happy when I first started it. Um, Eventually started doing really well. It had been a little bit of time since my mom had passed. And one day I said to Nikki, I'm not happy and I don't know why. Like I'm a really happy person. Generally, I'm quite neutral. And she said to me, it's because you don't measure success through money. You measure success through something else, something else. And she was right. And 
I want to make an impact on this world. I want to change the world. I want to work for freedom. I want to create freedom for myself, for other people, for the people I love so that we have more time to experience each other. That is why I work so hard. That is why I do what I do. And more or less, that is why everyone does what they do because they want more time and means to do what they love. And it's when you find what you love that you are able to really sort of identify what that looks like. And I actually had a similar chat with somebody close to me who I won't say (laughs) because that's, yeah, they probably listen to this. Um, but she came to me and she's a little bit younger than me. She's pretty young. And she said, Jenna, I just don't know how to do, how to work it out. Like she's spent seven years studying a law degree and she's topped her class, finally got an internship, working as an intern in a law firm for the government and she hates it. <laughs> no shit and she's like I just don't know like if this is the right career for me because she's so artsy and fun and free-flowing and I said to her well let's let's look at this what is it that you really really love she loves traveling she loves the outdoors she loves law like she loves studying she's very academic so she loves learning and she loves fighting for a cause she wants to be an advocate she wants to have a voice that's what came out here. And I was like, okay, a voice for what? What are you fighting for? Where are you happiest? And these kinds of questions, you could probably Google some prompts, but these kinds of questions, like, how do you feel when you do this? Where are you happiest? When was the last time you felt truly happy? She felt happiest in nature. She loves traveling to third world countries and seeing culture. She loves seeing undiscovered, untouched earth. And we worked out that she's most passionate about the planet and the effects that people are having on the planet. She's fighting for the world, right? Very different. Like when I say, oh, what I want is to create freedom for people. Doesn't everyone though? Isn't that what we all want? Um, No, actually. So she is fighting for the planet. And now she has a job in a law firm. She's working for, (laughs) if I say this, it's going to give it away, but she's working for an environment, a government environmental body. And she's working case by case through things in favor of or protecting the planet, the earth first. So she's able to now work in an environment which is not stimulating because she feels fulfilled that she's working towards her, towards her purpose. And that's super important. We got there in the end. But when you have a business and you are doing 12-hour days every single day, when you are sitting at your desk and you're just like, I can't physically do this anymore, but I have to. When you have clients that aren't the clients that you want, when you've got bills that you think that you're not going to get through, when you have goals that just seem too big, It's coming back to the cause, being committed to the cause that will get you there. So that intention will shine through when you are genuinely connected and committed to your cause and you are genuinely loving what you do for the people that you do it for. And that is like Gary Vee says, be genuine and give a shit. 
And that is how you can start to change this, the landscape and the trajectory of your business because you can start to move in the direction of where you want to go with baby steps. Now, this person might not be traveling the world fighting for or advocating for the environmental health, oh, my goodness, wherever she goes just yet, but she will work for that. And that's the same thing as all of us, right? We're all working unless you're a billionaire listening to my podcast. And if you are, I definitely want to hear from you. But um, we are all working for a cause and it's those tasks that we don't want to do that we have to do. And it's not even discipline that's going to get you through it. It's discipline. It's loving what you do. It's knowing that that cause is knowing that you're making a difference and making an impact. And when you have a genuine intention, it shines through you. And that is how you can start to grow or pivot with your marketing and your business direction, because you can make decisions based on achieving that result and pushing that intention to make an impact and how you can do it will change. So a little bit of a ramble there, but really keen to hear your thoughts on this one. As always, please do leave a review. I'm new and I'm just starting out here and I'm really late to the podcast party. Um, any questions, please do let me know. If you want that founders learning, founders focused learning list, hit me up. I'm putting it on our website. That's bigappetite.com. Thank you so much. Until next time.